back. Clinch Perfect episode 13, I think. Um, I'm here with Tom as always. How you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm good, guys. I'm good. I'm good. Got my coffee. Got your coffee. We are recording at half 10, so coffee is required. So you don't just trip over your words like always and then blame being tired. Um, <laughs> <laughs> how, was, uh, how did you enjoy having uh, the fights at a reasonable time on Saturday? It's good. Yeah, the worst thing was I nearly fell asleep. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll talk about that later. That was that was uh, Joe Selecki and Jim Miller's fault. That was nothing yeah. to do with the time of the fights. No, no. Or maybe me just getting frustrated with the judges. I don't know. It was really weird for me having it at that time because, you know, I like a drink or or 10 while I'm watching the fights. And <laughs> normally by the co-main and main event, I'm like happily wasted and just slowly drifting off to sleep while I enjoy the main event. <laughs> and then this card obviously ended at what, like 10 p.m. And I was in that state of like medium drunkness where I was like, well, I can't go to bed. It's too early. What the fuck do I do now? So I just got blackout drunk and ended up getting less sleep than I usually would on a on a UFC night. I can't really remember what other sporting events were on like, the weekend, but like for there me, was it boxing felt like... on after because remember, yeah. I I don't know as much about boxing as you do, and I text you and said, "Is this uh, is this betting offer good to get? <laughs> oh, yeah. Was it Conor Ben on the? Um, yeah. There was a there was a boost. Samuel for, Vargas. Uh, yeah. It was like KO in the first four rounds or something. And I texted you. I was like, "Is this good? Should I bet on this?" And then before I could even click on it, he'd knocked about. So, <laughs> got it about it that. Always the way. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, obviously the big news we need to talk about: Connor and Dustin trilogy butt for UFC 264 in front of fans in Vegas. Um, doesn't get any bigger than that, so we couldn't exactly not talk about it. Connor's a slight favorite, which I've seen a lot of people. It's funny. I've seen a lot of people moaning about it. But I, I feel like the people go, going on Twitter and being like, oh, how is Connor the favorite? Are not going to bet on Dustin. They're just saying that to like to look cool. Do you know what I mean? Like if they were going and betting on, if, if the amount of people who have said that on Twitter all went and bet on Dustin, he'd be the favorite by now. The line would have moved. <laughs> like it's so obnoxious. But um, I think, I don't know. I think it's probably right to have Connor as a slight favorite based on what he's done in the past, even though Dustin's CV is obviously insane too. Always does well in rematches, doesn't he? I mean, I know theoretically the second fight was a rematch, but you, you look at the Nate fight. Well, yeah, um, rematches off a loss is. Yeah, I know exactly. people like to go on about that being a close fight. It wasn't as close as people like to make out. He beat Nate fairly handily in a good fight. Not you know close fight maybe, but good fight and uh, good performance. I, yeah, I feel like him being the favorite is the right decision. And as I said on Twitter, actually. I'm hoping all those people go and bet on Dustin making the favorite because McGregor at plus money against someone not named Habib. I'll take some of that. Also, full crowd in Vegas. We know what the McGregor effect's like, right? I imagine yeah. listening to Zombie or whatever. Um, or Sinead O'Connor. Oh my God, what's the, what is the song called? I can't think of it. It's the Chieftains, isn't it? That's the band. What's My ability to name lyrics and songs is not very oh, good yeah, um, so embarrassing. So. I, can't, I can't remember it. i apologize to everyone. just do a jay paul just do a jay paul and say you have ct which we'll get into <laughs> later um <laughs> but i was I, as always when Poirier is fighting we do this every time we go and look at his record and drool over possibly the best cv in terms of strength of opposition in ufc history like it's up there um i'm just like looking at it again every, every time it i'm like mind blown all over again Conor McGregor, Dan Hooker, Max Holloway, Eddie Alvarez, Justin Gaethje, Anthony Pettis, Jim Miller, Bobby Green, Joe Duffy, Yancy Medeiros, Diego Ferreira, um, Diego Brandau, Max Holloway again. And those are just the wins. Like, you know, he's had close fights with Cub Swanson. Conor obviously lost to Michael Johnson. He lost to Habibi. So even the losses are like big names. Korean Zombie. Like, 
every nearly every fight in like his last 20 fights is a really tough opponent barring a few yeah i completely agree and uh, i don't think we should forget as well he made that fight look pretty comfortable and i i didn't really think that was a moment i mean maybe a bit in the first round but dustin never really looked in danger and um, which is bizarre i think i think partly the build-up maybe helped but also the adjustments that he's made at att uh, under mike brown haven't gone unnoticed in the in the work that he's put out like i thought his performance against max was some of the best boxing and in, in fact some of the, i think that's one of the best fights i mean they were unlucky they didn't get fight of the year obviously um featuring on the same card as as, as kelvin and it is yeah i was but... gonna say people kind of forget about it because of what preceded it but yeah like you say absolute boxer's wet dream that fight um yeah i i, I can see why people are, like i said are upset that he's the uh he's the underdog but also it's Conor fucking McGregor, so like the bookies are always going to be in his favor. So um, I don't know. I, I don't have a prediction. Maybe I will by the time the fight comes, but I'm looking forward to it. I feel I almost feel like it's too early, which I know sounds crazy because obviously the the rematch is still fresh in your mind. But I I, I think the closer it gets, the 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 more we can kind of gauge what mindset Conor is at. I feel like that's the trouble with the previous rematch. I didn't really know where Connor was standing. Like he, it wasn't the Connor of old, and since he wasn't tra- talking smack or, or building up any like needle or anything, he was just—I don't know. I kind of feel like maybe he needs directed. a bit of that yeah. to get himself going, you know? Like, and we saw seen that. It, didn't we've we? seen it on Twitter this week. Yeah, um, it was like it was too nicey nicey in the, in the last one. And I know <laughs> he did that with with uh, with Cowboy, but that's a, a washed up Cowboy, not a Dustin Poirier in his prime. So a little bit different. Um, Obviously, it's not the only uh, exciting matchup that's been announced in the last week or so. Gregor Gillespie is not fighting Brad Riddell. Uh, obviously, that fight got kind of, uh, was it last weekend or weekend before? He's going to fight Diego Ferreira, which <laughs> is about as tough as they come when you're coming off a, a huge loss like the one he had to Kevin Lee. Ferreira is an absolute beast. But having said that, it's also grappers paradise, right? Yeah. Like, I, I can't imagine, like, let's be honest, unless it ends up being like one of those old humdingers, I can't imagine it'll be settled on the feet. Um, Gillespie is probably maybe second best wrestler in the division behind, I don't know, Makachev. Um, I mean, maybe Michael Chandler also has a claim, but Ferrero is also ridiculously talented on the ground. So Yeah, the, the scrambles he had with Darius was yeah. so much fun, and it's just going to be the exact same shit with Gillespie. Like, with added cardio, like, I think Gillespie's cardio kind of gets, I don't know, it doesn't really get much notice because obviously what Kevin Lee did to him, we didn't get to see it, but he has got a pretty good gas tank and the air doesn't really go away. So I'm, I'm excited to see the fight. I think it's a great booking. I'm a bit guy for Brad Riddell, obviously. Um, but my, my city kickboxing bias uh, won't let me not <laughs> say always. it. But... <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe you'll get, and you know, I'm not saying he would have lost to Gregor, even though I think I picked Gregor for that fight, but um, maybe you'll get a more friendly matchup, shall we say, in terms of style. Maybe they'll put him up against another striker where we know, you know, Riddell's probably going to have the upper hand against most opponents. I mean, I uh, quite so like could, see... could work out for him in the long run. I'd quite like seeing Riddell versus Dear Casey. Um, I mean, I think stylistically that's a really fun matchup, but I don't know what the rankings are like. I, I feel like they're probably a bit... They're probably pulled apart, I'm not quite sure. But yeah, I, I think it's going to get his fight book soon anyway. I've been hearing on the grapevine that... It's just because of COVID and obviously quarantining and traveling back and forth between um, New Zealand, which has kind of put a damper on things. But hopefully we'll see them back in the Otacon soon. Yeah. And then uh, Jan Blachowicz against Glover Teixeira. That was another one that got announced Finally. since we last spoke. Um, yeah. How 
how just like gratifying it is to see Glover get his chance. Even if he loses, I was still going to be, and I feel like he'll still be happy. Like, do you know what I mean? The, the character, the type of character he is. I feel like he just wanted his chance before he hangs it up and, and he's got it. So what more can he ask for? That's at UFC 266. So down the line quite a bit. Obviously, Bill was just for um, Izzy. So um, another one we wanted to mention was Anato Moicano against Chai Herbert because that's just absolutely insanely tough matchup for Herbert coming off a, a brutal loss to uh, to Trinaldo, June 26th, that is. And then um, Gurum Kutaladze has got a fight and it's not Paddy Pimblet, which I'm a little bit gutted about. I, I think he kind of made up with the <laughs> Twitter fan base from Georgia, <laughs> as weird as that sounds. Um, like, I, I think he spoke to um, a Georgian journalist and, and basically said, you know, I didn't understand the uh, the complexities of the region and what you know what what I was saying what it meant but um he just then went straight back to saying like fuck you to everyone so that, that's the paddy everyone wants to see and I'm a, I'm pretty gutted he's not fighting Kutaladze just because the build up and like the animosity there would be so good I've said that that's a fun fight though like Don Mad is no joke and yeah we've seen what Kutaladze can do against Gamrot who we'll talk about later um so I feel like in t- in terms of the rankings at least kind of makes more sense than yeah i think into like throwing paddy in there with a guy who's just beat gamrot would be pretty insane for you know as as good as paddy may turn out to be in the ufc for a debut that'd be insane i just wanted it for, for the uh for the feistiness going on between the two it would have been great um and then one that literally just got announced before we started recording miguel baeza is fighting uh ponzinibbio on june 5th uh yeah that could be it that could be another dangerous one for ponzinibbio i think we both agree yeah. on that that's a tough, tough fight. What? Who did? Who did? Who did Baza just beat? Uh, my mind's here. gone blank. I'll have to look it up quickly. While uh, while you talk about how sad it was getting watching Pons get absolutely destroyed in his last fight. Well, yeah, I, I think like Miguel's looked pretty solid. Well, I think well he's unbeaten, isn't he? But he, he's looked pretty solid in his past. Oh, he just fights. beat uh, Takashi Sato. And that was, was a submission, was and then before sort of that, he knocked yeah. out Matt Brown. Yeah. So has he got? Sorry, has he got all three finishes? Yes, so in his mm-hmm. in his UFC stint, he's finished all three of his fights um, via stoppage or submission, um, which kind of doesn't bode well for Ponsonibio considering how long he's been out and he looked really rusty against um, and the Leech. June 5th, so. that's coming up pretty soon considering like the Leech didn't just knock him out, he slapped him. Like mm. That was a knockout, not a TKO. And like I say, June 5th, that's coming up pretty quickly. Yeah, and actually, I think only two of Baez's fights have gone to a decision, and that's that's out of ten. So, so eight of those, eight of his victories have come by stoppage or, or submission. I think one one by submission. That that's mental. The guy's clearly got hands, um, and he's got two performance of the performance of the night bonuses already, and he's only fought in the UFC three times. Like, I, I feel like it feels like they're trying like to push a, him as well a little bit, yeah. doesn't it? Like, this yeah. is a big name to put on his ledger if he can win this. Yeah, exactly. Because don't forget, Ponsonibio does loads of like broadcasting for um, the Argentina. Uh, network, I can't quite remember yeah. what the name is, but yeah, it's, it's a tough one. Although, having said that, if he beats it, it's a prospect who's got a bit of hype behind him. Um, Sato was really highly rated a couple of years ago, and he kind of made short work of him with that beautiful arm triangle choke. So, I don't know. I mean, I'm excited to see the fight anyway because I feel like it'll be absolute fireworks. And then there was the uh, the fight that you wanted to talk about more than any other <laughs> Craig Hardy against Tai Tuivasa. Um, two fat guys swinging at each other for. Well, until one of them either dies of exhaustion or a knockout. 
<laughs> yeah, I think this MMA, some MMA, or let's say a large section of the MMA fan or the UFC fan base have been uh, looking forward to Greg Hardy being de- decapitated in the first round. I feel like that could happen. Um, I, I think two of us are, are sort of rebounded in quite a, an emphatic way from what is three fight skid. Mm-hmm. Uh, he looked really good against Stefan Struve. Obviously, Harry Hansaker. Um, every time I say that name, I just want to burst out laughing. I apologize. Um, <laughs> again, like uh, give me opponent, but he made short work of him. Greg Hardy, on the other hand, has struggled against like any kind of decent level opposition. Like, I mean, who, uh, who did he fight? Tybura just mauled him. Yes, Tybura. Yeah, before exactly. that, he lost to Volkov. And if you, which if you was think just about a ridiculous it, matchup, by the way, Volkov against Greg Hardy. That is the wildest matchup. And if you think about the rankings, like Tibera, Taito Avasa, I feel like they're both in the same sort of like bracket of fighter. Um, obviously, like Tibera is probably maybe a bit more well-rounded, but like weight, maybe not too far away from each other. Um, so yeah, I, I feel like it's a dangerous fight for Hardy. Having said that, who knows what could happen because it's, it's the heavyweight division. But I wouldn't be surprised if we see a bit of a an emphatic KO from from two of us. I also just realized that I called Greg Hardy fat two minutes ago. And the guy's a <laughs> ex NFL athlete, now UFC athlete, like six foot four, 260 pounds, would literally kill me. Um, so just fair, I feel like we'll two of us would we'll kill, we'll we'll kill you as well. That's cool. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I feel like two of us would just laugh it off. Greg Hardy would be like, what you call me? Um, <laughs> um, and then if we're, uh, if we're on the topic of offending people, we should probably talk about UFC 261 next weekend. Rose Namajunas has uh, made all the wrong headlines this week, turning heel a little bit by accident, talking about um, Zhang Weili. Uh, obviously, the, the line that's going around is she said better, was it better dead than red? I nearly said it the other way around then, which would be kind of awkward. Um, I, f- I feel like first, I, first of all, I was going to come on here and say, cut her some slack, like, you know, it, we'd be a bit more open-minded and consider what her and her family and her ancestors have told her growing up about, you know, what communism and communism has done to her country and to her family. But then, a projecting that onto Zhang Wei Li is ridiculous in itself. And b she then did a follow-up interview where she basically said she'd learned everything she knows from a documentary. So it's yeah. not like some family history where she would sit on her grandma's knee as a kid and hear tales of communism. She's she just watched highlight reels of the McCarthy trials, hasn't she? Yeah. yeah, like yeah. She just watched some fucking weird documentary and decided that Zhang Weili is um, some evil communist, which, you know, we're not going to get into the political chat, but it's just, just the whole thing is just such a weird, weird story. Um, it was very but, chael for me. I don't know. It feels like a chael sonning kind of angle. I don't know what your take is. But I feel like chael would be fully aware of <laughs> why and how he was saying it. Whereas I feel yeah. like Rose kind of thought she was being insightful. Edgy. And um, I mean, what, whatever she needs to do to psych herself up to go in there with Zhang Weili, fair enough, because Zhang Weili is literally looks like she was designed in a lab to kill people. <laughs> like she's just an absolute machine. But I don't know. Yeah, like I said, I was going to defend her at first because when I first heard the comments, I was like, you know, people cut some slack. You don't know what's happening in her life or in her family's life or, you know, be a, you know, obviously her outlook is going to be different than ours. But yeah, I, I mean, to to double down and then drop that little tidbit of information in that you've got it all from a documentary that you watched like last week with your training partner is uh, is weird. Yeah, the whole thing is just a bit odd, isn't it? Like. It, it, 
it didn't really sit the comments originally didn't sit well with me anyway before she kind of spoke about the whole documentary thing and i was just be like oh does that, it feels a bit like she's kind of backtracking after i feel like there's been quite a lot of backlash on on social media um particularly from like uh the chinese section of the UFC fan base and i don't know like wiley jang seems really nice like I, I, I yeah, hard, have like... you seen the the clip? Weili Zhang was asked about what she thinks about Rose, and she was just like, "Oh, she's a really good fighter. I respect her a lot. She beat yeah. Joanna twice, so you know she's great, and and I can't wait to fight her." And it just made it even more awkward <laughs> that she was so nice. Like if Weili had been like "fuck her," then it would have been a little bit less weird. Yeah, I agree, and I mean, I I, I get. Rose is maybe trying to build some sort of hype around the fight, but I'm already hyped around the fight. Like, I don't need these guys, these girls to trash talk each other. I'm already hyped about that fight. That's my favorite fight on that card. So, yeah, yeah it just it didn't sit comfortably with me anyway. Um, and backtracking on your statement, you kind of look a bit of a fool. So maybe change tact. I'm not sure. And then we got more more tomfoolery. Um, <laughs> Ali saying that uh, if Nate Diaz wins against Leon, he's next in line after Usman beats. Masvidal, which I mean, we both presume is going to happen, um, which is the most ridiculous shit I've ever heard. It's it, like, can are we allowed to say that maybe Usman and Ali are, are ducking Colby a little bit? Uh, so I'm going to play devil's advocate. I think Kamara Usman versus Nate Diaz is a bigger fight than Kamara Usman versus Colby Covington, purely because of the name factor and let's face it, the social media following. Um, I don't know if that's true anymore. I the casuals know Nate more. But the, yeah, but that's the, isn't the it? Usman that... and Colby fight, the first one was, it was so big and it generated such a sort of, you know, this side versus that side, like split of, of fans. Um, I'm not, I'm not going to get political with it, but you, you know what I mean? Um, I, I don't know. I feel like the, the rematch of that fight is going to be absolutely huge. as big a name as Nate is. I just, I don't know. I feel like we're doing and Nate a discredit. Like it's Nate Diaz. The guys fought Conor McGregor twice, and they're two of the biggest pay per views of all time. Kobe and Kobe and Kamara didn't even get anywhere close. Like, yeah. And let's face it, even Usman himself is becoming a bit of a sell. Like, the 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 Masvidal Usman fight is going to be way bigger than a, a Usman Covington two, purely because of the names attached to it. I feel like because of Nate's fights with Conor, he's kind of transcended the sport in the sense that he's a he's a crossover to the casual and the hardcore. Um, I mean, who doesn't want to watch Diaz? Let's face it, and, and and also I feel like Nate would just run rings around Usman in the in the press conference and get some really witty one-liners. Um, yeah, that's true. I don't need to see more um, Usman and Colby trying to see who can forget more words mid-sentence. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, no, yeah, that's a fair point. I know, and also we've got to think about like what Nate has generated already. Like Nate generated the BMF fight. Let's not forget that. Like when Nate came back against Pettis. The whole the whole world stood up and was like, "Oh my God, Diaz is back!" You don't you, if Covington like quit and came back after like a year and a half. I don't think any as many people would notice. Yeah, I think maybe maybe you're right. Maybe I'm thinking too much in the uh, within the UFC fan bubble and not thinking broader to the uh, to the casuals. But I don't know. I really I do really want to see the the second fight with Colby. Oh, I mean, so um, I, I mean, in, in terms of matchup and in terms of like. Pure athleticism. I'd, I'd far rather see Usman versus Covington too, but I, I can understand it from like a. I mean, it's, it's exactly why Usman's gone after Masvidal, wasn't it? Like 
why didn't he choose Covington? Because Covington isn't going to get him as many pay-per-view points as a Masvidal fight, which he can, let's face it, quite handedly beat him. Like, it, it, it's a no-brainer. I feel like if Nate beats Leon, which, by the way, contrary to what Ali says, is no foregone conclusion. Um, I feel like Leon is going to make a bit of a statement, but we'll talk about that more, I'm sure, in the next couple of episodes. Um, then, yeah, I can understand if, if, if Nate gets a title shot, but I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if if we get Usman versus Leon Edwards next rather than Usman versus Covington. Yeah, I mean you said you'll wait you'll wait till uh till we're closer. I'll I'll say it right now. I'm like 99% sure that Leon's gonna demolish Nate. <laughs> as much as as much as like you say, we and everyone else love Nate Diaz. I think Leon's just pretty much better everywhere. Um a little bit of interesting news that I, I wondered if you had any thoughts on was uh Jimmy Flick retiring this week. Obviously, um the wider fans not, might not know too much about him, but um, you know, had a possible submission of the year last year. I think Lipsky won it with the knee bar, but he was a contender with that flying triangle. That was his UFC debut. One and oh in the UFC. I think he's like 14 and five overall as a professional mixed martial, martial artist and uh, basically retired and said, I'm, I'm not putting my life's work into this to end up, you know, like 35, 36 and nowhere in my life and probably not going to make it to the top and not going to be worth my, my time and investment and pain and suffering. I just, you know, I, I take my hat off to him. I, I think, um, I mean, we were really high on Jimmy Flick. I think, did we include him in one of our fights, one of our categories for like submission of the year or something? I feel like we did. Um, but yeah, I, I think to go out like on your terms is, is something that we as fans just, I, I don't feel like we appreciate enough. And I think the out, I, th- I think Flick retiring, like the outpouring of emotion and support has been overwhelming. Um, I was going to say that actually. It's nice like, to see. I've not seen one negative comment about it. And, you know, I spend enough time on Twitter that I use, if something happens in the MMA world, I will usually see something negative about it. But it's been pretty wholesome. Like, everyone's pretty much said what you just said. Like, you know, fair play to the guy. You know, it's a sport where if you're not going to give it 100%, then you're not going to get to where you want to be. And he's obviously decided, you know, putting 100% in is too much time and too much energy. And I want to spend time with family and kids and whatever. Um, so like I say, fair play. I mean, he has a full-time job anyway, doesn't he? Like, what is it, like 40, 40 grand a year or something? I think he has uh, a couple of degrees or something. Um, yeah. Like, he's a he's a well-educated guy as as well, not just um, a hell of a fighter. So, um, yeah, I mean, maybe it'll be a terrible decision. It'll be bankrupt in five years. Who knows? But um, well, he left from, the door open, from where he? we're standing, it looks like a good idea. And um, I think it takes a lot of balls as well to, to let you say, go on your own terms. And then um, as one MMA career ends another begins we got clarissa shields finally has a, a date for her debut um i did i did want to complain a little bit i know it's a debut but i did want to complain a little bit about the quality of opponent she's fighting Brittany elkin on june 10th she's three and six and she's lost her last three in a row getting finished in all three yeah it's a bit of a boxing matchup if there's any criticism direct like if you're building a prospect you match them up against like a, a journey woman or a journey man um, well, in boxing, so, you then you then do it fifteen more times, and then say, "Oh, look, they're sixteen and out." <laughs> yeah, but I mean, let's let's be honest. She hasn't had an MMA fight yet, amateur or professional. Like she's just been grappling John Jones for like what four weeks. Um, which I guess is probably <laughs> it's probably better level. practice than yeah. fighting Brittany Elkin. To be fair, <laughs> a few weeks yeah. with John Jones. I mean, ironically, I actually knew about I knew about I knew the date and the opponent a couple of weeks ago. I just couldn't say anything, but. Um, 
it's it's actually on my birthday. So she's making a debut on my birthday, which is quite a nice little um, twist of fate. I have to drop that in the interview when I when I next speak to her. But um, I'm looking forward to it. I think like we've been kind of crying out for these like female stars, like other than Nunes and Holly Holm and Rousey's retired. Like you need this new wave of like MMA fighters to come through. And the beauty of it is she transcends both sports. Like she's the best female boxer on the planet. She could quite easily become the best MMA fighter on the planet. I mean, look at what Holly Holm did when she transcended. And like, I mean, I would argue that Carissa Shields is a far more advanced striker and boxer than Holly Holm ever was. So I'm really excited to see her her debut. Um, I had a funny I, thought about think, it earlier, which was um, if she, if she does start climbing the ranks and gets to the stage where she's fighting really good mixed martial artists, um, I pictured in my head squaring off against Amanda Nunes. And then I thought, well, Dana would have to tell Amanda Nunes to not take her down. And wasn't that the the meme of Dana saying, that's fucking illegal? Wasn't that about a promoter telling a fighter not, not to go for takedowns because he wanted a stand-up battle? Um, so, I don't know, maybe, maybe Dana <laughs> will go back on his word there and um, drop you know drop that little uh, tidbit into Amanda if that fight ever happens five yeah, years like down the line. Who knows? Brennan Lachlan might be having words. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, again... I think it's just good that she's got her fight booked. Um, the PFL is one hell of a platform. I think, I don't, I correct me if I'm wrong, but I think there's like a featherweight light, uh, and lightweight tournament going on at the same time. In fact, that's the interesting thing. She's fighting a lightweight, which I find interesting because obviously she's a middleweight boxer. So mm-hmm. I don't know what, like in terms of, I, don't, I can't quite remember off the top of my head the numbers, but I think there's a bit of a weight cut. Um, so it'll be, it'll be interesting to see like how she makes the adjustment and obviously... Like MMA is a completely different sport in the sense that it's more physically demanding. So, yeah. looking forward to seeing how, how she adjusts. And from one boxer transitioning to MMA to another <laughs> MMA fighter going in the other direction, eh? I was going to say, while we're on the topic of elite boxing talent, <laughs> we should probably have a little mention of Jake Paul and Ben Askren since it's this weekend. Do we um, have to? Which, by the way, the odds on this were so far in Paul's favor, like like a month or two ago, and now they're pretty much pick them. Um, and the only reason I want to talk about it is, I mean, you know, I have complete disdain for the whole for the whole ordeal. But the only reason I want to talk about it is because it's interesting to me how how different the opinions I've seen are on it. Like, um, I, I follow a guy on Twitter called Magic MMA, and he's a, he's really good for betting tips on MMA. Um, and he'll often tweet out little summaries of what how he thinks a fight might go. And he basically said. It's laughable that people think Askren has a have a uh, has a chance. Like he's a joke of a striker. Paul may not be a proper boxer, but he can at least punch hard. And Askren just wades in with his hands down and his shit, basically. But I've seen other people, you know, from the other side of it, saying, "Well, Jay Paul's never been in there with an actual proper combat athlete." Like, say what you want about Ben striking, he's beat, you know, so Robbie Lawler, who's you know one of the favorite champions that we've we've had in the UFC. So. I don't know it's 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 just interesting to me to see like the the polar opposite opinions on it, and I have absolutely no idea where I fall because I don't know how anyone could be that sure one direction or the other because we have no fucking idea how it's going to go. I think my biggest issue or my biggest gripe with this fight is that people are forgetting the fact that like I think Ben had a hip replacement like in the past what like twelve months since the um the Damian Meyer fight. Like, yeah, pretty isn't... much straight straight after he retired. Um, well, he retired to have that hip replacement, I'm pretty sure. Like, so because he was having that. His body's basically falling apart. He, he won't, like, I mean, I don't know if you've seen much of his pad work or anything, but it's... He's either playing possum or he's screwed. <laughs> I've yeah. seen it and it looks bad. Yeah, and 
I, I don't know. I, I, sadly, I think Jake Paul's going to make it. Well, I, I'm not going to call it a statement because, I, frankly, I couldn't care less about this fight. I will watch it just because of like the the actual the actual card itself is pretty good. Uh, Regis Progress is on it. Um, for you boxing fans out there, had a great fight with Josh Taylor. Hopefully, see that rematch later down the line at some point. Um, so that worth, that's worth watching, but. I really have no like. I have no sporting interest or like even entertainment. In, like I, I don't. I don't find this fight entertaining in the slightest. I mean, the press conference itself was like all right. But even that, I was just like, okay. I expected tell. better from the press conference. Not gonna yeah. lie. Yeah. I um, mean, Jake's meant to be an entertainer, and you can just tell he's reading the script and stuff. Like, just I don't know. Yeah, like, like you say, I I hate myself for the fact that I'm going definitely 100 percent going to watch it. Um, <laughs> we'll uh, we'll move on to what's your, uh, actually, actually, what's your prediction? Movie. What do you think? Do happen? I have to do a prediction? Yeah. I just on. I just spent. Five minutes rambling about how I completely split down the middle. Um, go on. <laughs> I'll say uh, I'll I'll go with uh, with my guy Magic and say Askren's fucked and he's gonna get knocked out in the fourth round. See, I'm going earlier. I'm going Jake Paul within the first two rounds. Oh wow, that's yeah. uh, that's bold. Anyway, um, we'll move on to actual actual fights that we actually care about. Um, we won't spend too long talking about the Holland Vittori card because we're recording this on Thursday. We're a little late to the party, but. Um, Impa Sangane is back in the win column, which is like like we said, uh, I used this word earlier about Jimmy Flick. Wholesome, wholesome moment to see Impa because he was a prospect I was really excited for. And then all anyone thought about him was, oh, he was on the receiving end of the most insane knockout of all time. Also, he looked really good at welterweight. I was surprised because Yeah, because he looked super drained at the weigh-ins. Yeah. And but he filled out and looked pretty decent and made light work of Platnikov. Like that. I, I thought it was a, a dominant performance to be honest um, and a beautiful submission like, I, I, I kind of because we haven't really seen much of it like I've, I've kind of missed Impa's submission game uh, or, or his, his ground game at any rate and yeah the, the transition, the actual submission itself, top class, full marks for me and I'm just excited to, like, for him to get back in the win column as well Like he clearly is a bit of a confidence fighter um, although he's always smiling and <laughs> even when he lost he was like weirdly happy um, but yeah it's great to see him back in the win column I kind of want to see that rematch with Buckby at some point though I don't know why yeah there might be one they made down the line but they're not going to rush it are they um, may- mainly because it would be so soul destroying if he got brutally knocked out again um, we'll uh, we'll skip through a couple of fights but we'll uh, we'll touch on the main touring points we wanted to, I think we both agreed that we should complain that Jordan Griffin was uh, was robbed against Luis Saldana. Um, I saw some people saying this was one of those fights where it's whether the judges score damage or whether they score control, but I disagree with that as well. I don't think there was like a clear case of like, oh, Griffin's controlling him, but Saldana's doing all the damage. Like it, it wasn't that wasn't the case. Saldana was th- like trying to cause damage on the ground. It wasn't like he was just giving up and accepting the position. But I feel like Griffin controlled him most of the fight. And definitely took at least two rounds. I also thought Griffin inflicted the most damage. Like that's what yeah, kind of there's an argument for it. That's what kind of baffled me about the whole situation. Um, I, I I think the the judges' scoring was whack throughout the entire fight card. To be honest, but um, yeah, it, I, I I did feel sorry for Jordan Griffin. I mean, what what was he on? Like, is it a three fight skid now? Yeah, remember. three three or might might even be four. Actually, I haven't checked, but. Um, yeah, I mean, like you said, makes it even worse that he's, that he's on a losing streak. Um, well, I think he posted something about it on Instagram, didn't he? Where he's just like, not quite sure what I have to do for the judges to like score it in my favor or whatever. And uh, 
for a fighter of his level and and of his experience, like he's a veteran of the UFC, like to be admitting that, it kind of, I don't know, it, it doesn't kind of shines a light on the absolute shambles that the like that the judging system is like. Exactly. Yeah. It, it, well, it, it's just the fact that different judges score things different ways based on different. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's no consistency. There's no consistency. It's like the like, whole VAR VAR argument, isn't it? If it was, yeah. Like, uh, someone will read a situation completely different to someone else. Like, it, it's only natural, but at the same time, it's frustrating when you've got a clear set of rules. Yeah, and then um, there was a another slightly frustrating one in the Jack Shaw fight, even though he got they got the right decision in the end, um, which which was that Jack Shaw won impressively. But there were two thirty twenty sevens in his favor, and then a twenty nine twenty eight for Hunter Azur. So again, like as as we just said, consistency. Like why? How does one judge see that fight? For um for Azure and and the other two correctly score it all three rounds for Jack Shaw like you can maybe make an argument that Hunter won one round but definitely not two. I couldn't even give you an argument that he won one round. I thought Jack beat. I mean maybe again I hold my hands up. Maybe this is the British bias in me, but I thought Jack won in every area. I thought he out grappled him. I thought he out wrestled him. Oh mate, did you know Jack Shaw can grapple? Because <laughs> oh, DC fucking didn't. He wouldn't. He was like, oh my god, Jack Shaw's usually a striker. This is. He's going into a Hunter Azure's world now when they were going. And I was like, what the? F-? <laughs> like, it. I'd back. If it was grappling only and there was no striking striking allowed, I would back Jack Shaw to win that fight between those two guys. Oh, 100%. In fact, I'd argue he's probably the, he's probably the best grappler in the division. Um, I'm, try, like, I'm, I'm just trying to think of this off my head. Like, maybe a, I don't know, maybe a, uh, my mind's gone blank trying to think trying to picture the top of the division but um yeah i mean it like dc has tweeted before his notes before fights and how extensive they are but he obviously didn't have in his notes well, mate, on this occasion I, obviously but, uh, Mike madoff probably has a, a complaint against that but, yeah that's true yeah it just i don't know i thought i thought dc's commentary again it, it frustrated me because you can just tell he hasn't done his research like the, the whole like Oh, Jack's striking or whatever. It's like, well, Jack's dad, Richard Shaw, is like one of the first BJJ black belts in the UK, like, and runs a very successful, like, not only mixed martial arts clinic but grappling clinic in in Wales, um, over at like in Abertillery. Like, I don't know. It just, in fact, that made me laugh. Did you see? Um, I think it was UFC Europe who put out that like Jack was from Abergavenny. <laughs> And all these Welsh fans um, were just mate. Like, don't don't start whipping out Welsh town names. I may be Welsh, but I've not lived there since I was six, and I will not be able to keep up. <laughs> so Jack's so Jack's from Abertillery, and um, yeah, all these all the UFC Europe account put out like oh he's from Abergavenny, and all these Welsh fans were just piping up in their comments, being like, "Do your research." And I was just like, "That's quite funny." But yeah, I, th- I thought it was a brilliant performance. Um, obviously, like I don't, I don't, I kind of agree with Dominic Cruz. I don't think ring rust is necessarily a thing, but. The time out of the cage, you could tell Jack was kind of adjusting to like the pacing of the fight and everything mm-hmm. like that. But um, yeah, I was really impressed. Um, and onwards and upward, like I, I said to him actually when I was speaking to him the other day, I said, "Look, it's just great for you to like get your momentum back." Like I feel like he's kind of been a bit derailed by the whole pandemic and the visa situation. Um, but just to see him smiling outside, like the art's gone, and like he seemed really relaxed out the entire like fight week. So it's good for a UK MMA. I think that's actually is that I feel like that's our first win. I think that was the first win from like a UK fighter this year. Because it can't lost. be. That can't be true. Yeah, I'm I've, sure. No, I, no, 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 no Davy Grant. Davy Grant. Davy Grant. Oh yeah, Davy Grant. How could Davey you forget Grant the legend of Davy Grant? Davy Grant was our first, and then <laughs> Jack was our second. So yeah, and it was then, a good night for, 
you just said on to bigger and better things, and I'm going to do what you hate and pair two prospects up. Jack Shaw, Adrian Yanez. Make it happen, please. That fight would be an absolute banger. And Yanez has been calling to be put on one of the big pay-per-views. So get Jack Shaw on one of the big pay-per-views. He has, that going. he's also angling for a fight with Randy Costa. So I feel like we may not we may not see that happen. Yeah. Um, I kind of have a diff- I'm going with a different route. Uh, just because I, I just because of the, like the the rankings as well, like and, and and where Jack's at his career, like someone like a a, a Bautista maybe, or like a I mean to be fair, I quite see David Grant. I feel like that'd be quite a fun fight. Uh, obviously, Davy's a whiz on the on the mat, so maybe that could like count, they could counterbalance each other on the ground. Um, but I, I, yeah, I think that'd be. A I don't fun think fight. I'd want to see Jack's first loss come to. <laughs> Davy Grant's extremely wild, untechnical, swinging overhand knockout cold, to be honest. Well, it'd, be a bit, it'd be a battle of Britain <laughs> as well, put, wouldn't it? Don't put that on, that evil on me. Um, go on then, who, who's your official pick for, uh, for the no, perfect my, my next official, matchup? My official pick is the guy that Davy Grant actually just beat, Jonathan Martinez. I think that's like... That'd be I a banger as well. I think that's a banger, but I also think it's kind of like a... I feel like he's, 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 he's the perfect match or he's the perfect opponent for Jack in the sense that he's got pretty decent hands, but his bo- his boxing is a bit too technical. Like it's a bit too crisp and it's a bit too easy to read. And Jack, uh, I, I think just make it make it a brawl and and yeah. grapple fuck him if he wanted to. Yeah, but but also Jack's got ridiculous. Like I feel like DC was sort. I'm not. I don't ever take recall this, but DC was sort of right in what he was saying in the sense that <laughs> Jack. Is obviously like a a golden glass champion in in the UK. Um, has very decent hands himself. So yeah, I think that's a banger. And also in terms of the rankings, it would make make sense. And he's like what twenty fourth or something. So yeah, Martinez yeah. coming off the loss to Grand thirty second. So um, yeah, yeah. That's I'm sticking with Yanez. Fuck it, pair the <laughs> prospects off. Um, <laughs> Jorgen de Castro may be super overrated. He got absolutely destroyed by Charles Daniel, who was coming off like a five year layoff. That's, I think, three losses in a row for De Castro since his big win against Tafa. Um, another possibly overrated um, fighter, Ignacio Bahamendez, got absolutely pieced up by John McDessie. To be fair to Bahamendez, is that how you say it? Um, I thought he was done towards the end of the first round. So to go another 10 minutes and give us what would have been the fight of the night if he hadn't missed weight, like... You know, like I said, it's slight, slightly over overhyped coming off contender series because his contender series opponent was a bum. But I got to give it to the kid, like to start to hang in there. Macadesi was landing bombs on him, and he hung in there, took it like a champ, and gave plenty back as well. Like gave himself at least a shot of maybe getting a sketchy decision from the judges, but um, the correct one was made, giving it to Macadesi. Yeah, I agree. And also, you could I, I feel like you could tell that Bahamondes is uh, welterweight. I'm not quite sure what he's doing for a lightweight, but. He's like six big. foot four or some shit. Yeah. He's huge, and seemed very drained. I mean, I came in overweight as well, so it's a bit weird. But yeah. he still seemed quite gaunt. Um, and also, like we were messaging during this fight, weren't we? I said when he first got punched, it was like it was almost like he's never been punched before, which I just found really, really odd. Uh, maybe it was the heat yeah. Those, moment, those first sure. couple of clean shots. It was towards the end of the first round because he was controlling most of the first round. And then those first couple of clean shots towards the end of the first round, like I said, I thought, oh, he's done. Like he, like you say, he literally was like, what the fuck was that? Like he had no idea what was going on. Um, but then, like I say, you know, it showed heart at least to uh, to come back and, and make it a competitive fight for the next 10 minutes and an extremely fun fight as well. Um, Mateus Gamrot is absolutely legit, as we already knew. 
um, destroyed Holtzman, who's a good fighter in his own right, and um, and calls out Hackbrass, which I think is a perfect um, sort of litmus test. Yeah, I don't I don't want to shit on Hackbrass because I do actually like him a lot as a fighter, but I I feel like that's very clever from Gamrot. That's a winnable fight and a somewhat recognizable name. Um, a very winnable fight, I think, um, for Gamrot to uh, to you know get some momentum, get two on the bounce after the close loss to uh, to Kutalante. Um, did you want to talk about Joe Slacky and Jim Miller, mate? I know you love that fight. Uh, no, I think we'll pass. <laughs> <laughs> I think we were so excited as well for this to be like. Well, DC was saying that that's what they agree with DC on. He was saying on the broadcast, like, was everyone was so excited for this to be like grapplers, you know, grapplers delight, and it Wet was dream. just shit. <laughs> like, there's no other way to say it. They both were just taking it in turns to uh, to have a round, um, you know, getting completely dominated and and not trying to get up from bottom position. So, um, yeah, we'll move on. We'll move on. Um, Mike Perry doesn't know how to move his head. <laughs> he went on Twitter what's, afterwards what, what's and, was new? Like, <laughs> and was like, all the Twitter experts telling me to move my head. Um, yeah, Mike, move your head. <laughs> like, I, I know you're the fighter and we're the, you know, like you say, the, the sofa experts. But I mean, come on, it's it's basic. He was getting absolutely pieced up and as always showed insane toughness like he usually does. But um, really good performance from, from D-Rod, from Daniel Rodriguez. Yeah, great, great fight. Um, I, I was also like the way he, he controlled the distance. Like Perry kept on like trying to come in short and throw their hands over the top but D-Rod was again just you could tell he's been working with Cowboy right because it was a very technical kickboxing fight in the sense that he just kept him on the outside and then like close distance at will um, and he made Perry look bang average like uh, I, I I have more of an I, I was as impressed with D-Rod as I was disappointed with Perry because Perry had been talking so much like smack and hype in the build up saying like well oh, and he I looked can... in a lot better shape in camp and you know coming coming into the weigh-ins and things. He looked like well, I think he'd that had just goes a proper to, camp, which he, I don't think he had for his last fight. I think it just goes to show as well, like the the con that is social media. Like you can put up a great video of yourself like on pads or whatever, but it doesn't translate to the cage. Um, although the only good thing that came out of that fight was like the Till Perry weird relationship, the friendship weird thing. Like, will they or won't they? Bromance, hatred. Yeah. yeah like, yeah. <laughs> I still don't know what's going on there. Um yeah, Till saying Perry can go over and uh, and train with him, and his family can stay with with him if he needs to, or some shit like that. Like, yeah, I mean, How that's wholesome. a t- that's a TV show waiting to happen. Um, <laughs> moving on, Mackenzie Dern is an absolute wizard on the mat. We all knew this already, but I think the fact that she got Nina Nunes or Ansaroff or whatever you want to you want to call her, I'm not sure if she's officially changed yet. Um, the fact that she got her to the ground so easily was what impressed me because, like, I. I think we knew if it went to the ground, Dern was going to end it. Um, but I think, you know, her takedown success rate in the past has been terrible. It's been like 10%, maybe even lower. It might be single digits. Um, and Ansaroff has pretty good takedown defense, but she got a lovely little, um, she threw a little combo and then got a lovely little leg sweep, which I know um, Perillo said has been, had been something they'd worked on like repeatedly in the back before the fight. And she did it to perfection. And that was it. As soon as it went to the mat, it was over. Yeah, I thought um, when someone's been out of the cage for so long, you can tell their timing's gone a little bit. Uh, I I feel like Mackenzie exploited that by essentially bull rushing her. Um, I I thought she did it to perfection. Like the the minute she hit the mat, I was like, right, that's it, game done. Um, and the, the transition to the armbar and yeah, 
brilliant. It's beautiful to watch brilliant. her work on the mat. Yeah. Like, but like you say, the second it goes down there, you're like, oh, they're fucked. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, and, again, her, you mentioned it before, like her hands, the training that she's been doing at Sanibal and with like an RVCA with like uh, Cheeto and Bisping and whatever, you can tell it's kind of like it's added a new element to her game. And that mm-hmm. I, I really admired what she was saying in the build up and also in her post fight interview where she was like, I've added, she was basically saying like, I've added all these strings to my bow and I've, I'm becoming a more well-rounded mixed martial artist because that's what's ultimately going to make me a champion. And whilst I don't necessarily think that she'll be a champion in the next like what year or so, because again, you got to get through like the Tatiana Suarez, Wei Zhang, you know, because Zhang Weili exists. Yeah, yeah. I get what you're exactly. saying. <laughs> um, I do think she's a future champion. I think she has that mindset and I think she also has the ability and she showed that. Well, I, I think she, she spoke about that specifically that saying that she hadn't really taken MMA seriously before. Like she had just kind of been good at it and started doing it and enjoyed the money and the somewhat fame and, you know, party and whatever else that comes with it. Um, and then since she's had a kid, she's kind of realized that, you know, if I fully hundred percent commit to this kind of like what we were talking with Jimmy Fleck earlier, um, you know, you're going to be hundred percent all in or you're not going to make it to the, to the mountaintop. So um, speaking of hundred percent all in, can, can we just... I have one criticism of Mackenzie Dern. Ditch the fake Brazilian accent because it is <laughs> grinding my gears. Oh, my God. I've never been so frustrated in my life because she slips in... I don't know if you've picked up on this, but she slips in and out of it as well. Like, a, a half a sentence will be... In a, can I like, say, I, it, it, is, it is odd, but I enjoy going on Twitter after a Mackenzie Dern fight and just seeing a hundred tweets complaining about it. <laughs> <laughs> Some, isn't there a, a German word? What is it, like schadenfreude or something for enjoying other people's misery? I go on Twitter and I see everyone moaning about that and it just fills me with joy. So um, <laughs> keep doing what you're doing, Mackenzie. Um, <laughs> uh, Julia Marquez. A, 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 a classic <laughs> Julia Marquez fight. Just absolute like wild, drunk, random insaneness. Um, there was a moment where he looked like he might get knocked out by, by Sam Alvey. And then he looked like he might knock out Sam Alvey and then went for the submission instead. It was quite a funny submission as well, the way he was like still stood up while Sam Alvey was sat down. It was kind of odd. Um, but I thought we have to talk about next matchups for Julia Marquez. And I have my eye on one that I that I don't know if you'll agree with, but I'm, I know you'll agree that it's a banging fight. So um, you give me yours and then I'll tell you why you're wrong and I'm right. You, you've put me on the spot here, mate. You you hit me up first. Go. Hamzat Jemayev. <sighs> because, yes, Hamzat's high ranked and on a win streak, just like Marquez is. But he's also coming off a lengthy layoff and suffering like seriously from COVID. So I don't think you can throw Hamzat in at the heights that he would have been thrown into going in against Leon or someone around Leon's you know level and rank. I feel like the right decision when Hamzat comes back is to give him someone slightly lower who likewise has some hype and will draw some attention. And as cringy as they are, Marquez's call-outs after the fights to Miley Cyrus and to the Kansas City Chiefs players are getting some mainstream attention. So, you know, if you want to build two, you know, two people at once that are both kind of getting a lot of hype, obviously not on the same level as Hamsat, I just think it's a I just think it's a perfect fight. And whoever wins it would have so much like momentum behind them. Yeah, and I guess also Hamzat wouldn't have to cut weight because it's a middleweight. So yeah. there is that advantage too. Yeah, that is a good fight. Yeah, making the guy cut weight after he's just had three months or however long being really seriously affected by COVID just seems cruel. And also in terms of the rankings, it makes sense. I don't feel like they will push him as far though. I don't know. I, it, it, I, to be fair, I actually have a, I have a different idea. And that's only because I, I'm, I'm biased towards um, the fighter and obviously his training partners, but Muradov. 
I feel like that would be a sensational fight just because stylistically it's a bit of a weird matchup in the sense that um, Marquez is probably more of a decorated grappler than a, a striker and Muradov arguably has some of the best hands in the division. So I, I feel like they're both of that kind of career where they kind of need a name. And mm-hmm. whilst Muradov isn't necessarily a name, he is obviously much higher ranked than Marquez. I think Marquez is like 10 places below. I think Muradov's about 25th in the rankings. So I'd like to see that um, that next. And I, I feel like Marquez is, qu- is quite a tough opponent for Kamzat to come back to. Uh, I'd imagine they might give Kamzat someone like a, a Zach Cummings maybe, or like a, a, a Trevin Giles. I don't know Trevin Giles just beat Delice, but yeah, I'm not. Uh, I feel like Marquez has been a bit on a bit of a tear, and to do that to Sam Alvey, yeah, it, it does take something, doesn't it? Like I, I don't know. I also feel like though Marquez, I I love the way the guy fights. Don't get me wrong. But I feel like he's asking to get knocked out. Oh yeah, like, it's nice the way he, he wades yeah. in there like a madman with his, you know, just swinging. Not much defense going on there. Um, and like I said, while it is a tough fight for Hamza, it is a very winnable fight. And you know, nothing compared to if they throw him in there with someone higher rank like they were going to before he got COVID. So um, yeah, I mean, either one of those would be insane. Um, I just would. I think Marquez versus Hamza as like, I don't know, maybe the opening of a of a main card on a pay per view. The opening fight of a main card would be insane, and we'd get both guys a lot of hype. Even you know, even a loser would probably get plenty of attention off it. Um, Arnold Allen, speaking of needing some attention, um, I I feel like he needs a finish to really get the get the hype behind him. Um, I, I I don't know what the exact numbers are, but a lot of his what is it seven fight win streak of decisions decisions, and you know he nearly had a knockout here. Sadiq was was rocked a little bit, but um, yeah, I feel like he really needs a big finish to to get the hype that he deserves. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, although, to be fair, like, if you think about it, like, Barboza, I mean, I know he's done, like, harder reels, but he just beat Makwami Mirakani by a decision. Um, so, uh, yeah, I get what you're saying in terms of, like, the streak. Yeah, like, Barboza has moments you can put in the in yeah. the promo package, though, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what moment are you going to put in the promo package for, uh, for Alan as, as impressive as he looked? So um yeah, no, yeah I, I agree. I, I really I really would love to see him get a get a big win that kind of captures the imagination of the wider audience um as well as just the uh, you know the people that already knew he was like the, the people that were impressed by Allen on Saturday are the people that already knew he was good anyway I feel like like he didn't gain new fans with that performance as good as it was. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a, that's a fair comment. Um I do feel like he's going to get a, a a top 5 top Seven maybe opponent next. Um, I know there's a lot. Of ma- there's a lot of, of, of matchups already, but he called for the Dan um, Dan Ige versus uh, Korean Zombie winner, and I kind of I wrote a piece about that and was like that. That's a really good matchup because I kind of, with all due respect to Korean Zombie, I do kind of feel like he's the perfect like matchup for Allen in the sense that. Like if Brian Ortega can piece you up, and I, I, I would argue that Allen has much better striking than Ortega. It's kind of like a good way to make a statement. That obviously, that's not saying that he, Chancellor Jung will necessarily beat Danigue, but it's a, it's a good call out because again, you're getting a name on uh, Andrea Ledger, and you don't have to face someone like I could see them maybe maybe matching him up with someone like a Josh Emmett, but then I don't know what like I think Josh Emmett's still recovering from injury, right? So yeah, I, I don't quite know what time frame is there. Um, 
I mean, my real question is, where does Zabit fit into all this? Like, where is Zabit? Like, <laughs> have you not seen the picture? I mean, he's looking more and more Abe Lincoln every day. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's just chilling, living his best life, growing that beard out. Um, yeah. When are they going to do Barbosa versus um, Zabit? That's all I care about. <laughs> I've done that fight on UFC 4 so many times. It doesn't even need to be made in real life now. Um, <laughs> on to the main event, Marvin Vittori, um, Derek Brunson's Kevin Holland with a little bit of added violence. I think this was like the most predictable fight outcome there's ever been in the history of the UFC. Like it literally happened two weeks ago to a, from a, I think slightly inferior fighter in Brunson. And now Vittori just did the exact same thing. Um, I, I know a lot of people don't like Marvin Vittori. I love Marvin Vittori. <laughs> I love it that his attitude is just like, if you're not with me, then fuck you. Like he, he has, he's so blunt. He has no like filter on what he says at all. And you know, people like to joke, and we've joked in the past about him being the angriest guy on the roster. He might be, but it's also absolutely hilarious. He is. I think he's he's got like, yeah, he's got this angry personality. But he he was cracking a few jokes. Mm. I don't know if you watched like 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 some of the, some of the like shots he was taking at Till. Oh, I love Till. I don't need to go on about what I think of Till, but he was on. Um, he was on. Michael yeah, Bisping's podcast this week talking about me, Till, yeah. trying to trying to turn Bisping to say that he was a Vittori fan now instead of a Till fan. Um, like you say, and, and he was taking a few shots and they were like good, you know, the type of good nature stuff that Till would just laugh off, like you know, classic classic stuff really. But um, yeah, like you say, you know, I, I feel like he's got a bit of a reputation for just being like some oaf who's just that hates everyone and everything. But he does have a bit of you know a bit of personality there as well. And I also think you need something that's a bit unique, like. Like Darren Till's the funny guy in the division, and Adesanya's the I don't know cringy anime watcher. Um, <laughs> but like you need you need to have something that makes you stand out a bit from the crowd. And being the guy that everyone's like, oh, he's the angriest motherfucker ever. Like that does help you stand out. How is that though? I don't think he's anywhere close to a title shot. Um, no, he needed to finish. He needed to go out yeah. there and just destroy him. And also, he looked quite gassy in like the first. In like the, I think it was the fourth round. Holland got a bit of like. A second wind. Um, yeah, he needs to make a statement, and he didn't. I mean, he dominated the fight. Don't get me wrong, but it was, it was one of those main events that had like a really good build up because obviously you were kind of wondering what Holland would do, and when he didn't really do much, he kind of in the in the second fight in the second round as well. I was like, oh, we can put him away now because Holland kind of looked dead in his feet, um, and he didn't. And whilst beating Kevin Holland is great. It's not built. It's not beating a Till. It's not beating a Costa. It's not beating a Cannonier. Like I'm listing off all these names, right? Mm-hmm. Like I, I feel like the, the 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 next best thing for Vittori would be to beat someone like a Costa or a Cannonier, just because obviously Izzy has indicated that he wanted to fight Cannonier before Cannonier fought Whitaker. Obviously, he lost to Whitaker, and I feel like if Whitaker beats Gaslin, that's the fight to make next. The Whitaker Adesanya rematch. Um, so yeah, I, I, it all depends on like Costa's recovery time. Obviously, what what what's he got flu or whatever the ridiculous excuse was. I think, I can't they, remember. I think they might have, have later come out and said it might have been complications with COVID or something. Um, okay, so there we, I don't remember but, to be honest, but yeah, when whenever he's recovered, that I mean, it'd be a fun fight. <laughs> or even Vittori versus Derek Branson. Like it, it feels a bit weird that like Vittori beats. It feels weird to me that Vittori beats Holland and immediately jumps the third, like. I don't know what you feel about it, but I feel like Kevin Holland's kind of beating Kevin Holland is no longer what it seemed to be because 
he essentially followed because there's Nelson. such an obvious flaw now. Yeah, as as exactly. much as we like, yeah. as much as Kevin Holland is great to watch when he's you know in full flow, there's such an obvious flaw there that anyone with that ability you feel like could beat him. Um, yeah, yeah, I kind and, of agree. And I feel like I also feel like Vittori needs like someone like Acosta or a, like Vittori basically needs someone with heavy hands or someone's going to stand and bang to like fight before he fights Adesanya again. Because I feel like if Vittori fights Adesanya next, Adesanya will just piece him up from the outside and maybe even get a finish. Because I kind of feel like on the feet, at least, he's there to be hit. Till kind of alluded to it in his tweets where he was saying like, oh, if I can get back on my feet, I'd, I know I would have pieced him up. And I kind of feel like Adesanya would implement the same game plan. Um, so for me, I, I, yeah, sadly for Vittori as well. Also, in it, like his post-fight call-out of Adesanya was so weird because it was just like... I feel like I deserve a shot or whatever. Um, you kind of got to back up those words with a an in fact in fact finish or to do what Branson did a couple of weeks ago when it's still fresh in your mind, just kind of takes the gloss off a bit. Yeah, um, and then obviously we got that Whitaker and Gaslam card this weekend. Um, I didn't I didn't want to talk about all the fights, and I think. You agreed that some of them were worth skipping over. No offense to the people we skip over, but um, there are there are a couple uh, interesting matchups, shall we say, on the on the prelims and then on the main card before before Rob takes on Gasolum. Um, one I one I did want to give a shout out to was Bartos Fabinski against Gerald Mirshart, just because I think that has the makings of just such a weirdly like interesting in such a strange way fight. Yeah, it'll be who <laughs> I feel like that fight will be who who doesn't gas or who has the better gas tank. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm kind of leaning towards Fabinski just because of what he did to Darren Stewart. I feel like maybe he's got... But I feel like if he does that to Mearshart, Mearshart's more likely to Solid, catch yeah. some weird little submission that Stewart yeah. wouldn't have been able to. Yeah, true. That, that's a good point. Yeah, it, 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 it'll be a lot of mad scrambles. Let's face it's it. the drunken bar fight of grappling <laughs> matchups. That's what this is. And I'm really looking forward to it. Um, Jessica Penn is finally back. We were supposed to have her back a few uh, a few weeks ago, but her fight was cancelled. Um, she's fighting the newcomer in Lupita Godinez. 5-0. Um, and oh. I've not seen anything um, of her previous fights, to be perfectly honest. But um, if she's anything like Monstrat Ruiz, as we mentioned before we started recording, um, then it'll be hellish fun having a, another badass uh, female fighter debuting and, and destroying a, a somewhat of a name, can I say? Yeah, there isn't much tape on her. I think she's only had five fights, so it's, it's a bit of an odd one. But she beat, like, like in the arms ranks, she beat, like, Sam Hughes, um, Ashley Jarvis as well. Like, she's been through a couple of, like, really tough fights. Um, I kind of feel like, because they're throwing her in at the deep end, they're seeing it as a bit of a pick em. So if if Godinez beats Penny, she can obviously build herself up. Um, I, I, is it Penny who's coming off? She's like, what is it like? A, a, now nearly three year layoff because really, yeah, like, yeah. Um So maybe that timeout will affect her. I mean, I, I've seen her training with like Angela Hill and stuff, so I'm not sure what the the knock on effect will be. But one would imagine that she's 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 fit enough to last like three rounds or whatever and i don't i think Godinez only has one finish in her pro fight in her pro career so yeah four decision wins five and oh yeah um interesting in terms of the prospect but would have to lead towards penage purely because of the experience and then uh we got probably the people's main event on this card the one everyone's really looking forward to alexander romanov against uh juan espino you got the guy who just wants to throw you onto the ground and beat the shit out of you <laughs> against um, a submission expert. I mean, Romanov has a fair few submissions on his on his resume as well, but they're more brute force submissions rather than um, 
you know technical ones um I find this fight really hard to call because I like both guys and I want to see both of them succeed. So it kind of pains me that they're fighting, but at the same time, I'm so nervously excited. Yes, yeah, so it's kind of like it's a weird battle for Europe as well, isn't it? Like, yeah. Rommel, I think is Rommel from Moldova. I can't remember. I think he's from Moldova. Um, I, I think so. I can picture the colours on his <laughs> on his walkout on the flag, and it is the Moldova colours. But it, you know, could also be Romania. <laughs> I also feel like he's a young Fedor, so uh, I yeah. I, I've I always like I've, I've liked Romanov for ages. I, I I kind of have him as like a. I'd really like to see like Romanov fight Garn at some point. Um, the forearm choke win that he had in was it his last fight or the fight before as well was so sick. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Again, very classic Fedor, and that's like I, I feel like he's kind of taking it out of the textbook. And it was against uh, Rogério de Lima, who is pretty decent on the ground himself. So yeah, yeah very impressive. Um, when did, who did Espino last fight? I can't remember. Uh, completely gone from my mind. You'll have to look it up. Um, oh, Jeff Hughes. And he won. And oh, yeah, he submitted him, yeah. didn't he? Yeah, I think, I think like 80% of Espino's wins are by submission. Like he's an absolute whiz on the mat. Yeah, I would. I think I would give it to... My my inkling is to go with Romanov purely because... I'm leaning Romanov like, on athleticism, to be honest. Yeah. And also, if you look Cardio. at... Um, I saw the footage on Twitter the other day, actually. Someone tweeted it of Espino's one knockout loss. And, you know, obviously it was a long time ago. He's, he'll certainly learned a lot from it. And since then, but like he just literally right from the off of a fight, waded hands down into a clean hook and got slept. So, um, yeah, I feel like Romanov has the power and the athleticism advantage and Espino maybe the technical advantage on the map, but I'm not sure technical advantage does you much when you're fighting Romanov just because he's such a monster. It's Romanov's finished all his fights, hasn't he? Uh, I don't think he's finished all his Again, it's, don't blink is all I'm going to say because I feel like when two grapplers or a wrestler and a grappler get together, it's usually settled by the two standing and banging on the feet. Um, yeah, I, I, it's an interesting fight in terms of the, like, the future of the heavyweight division as well because we, we never like it. Well, I never like it when they pair prospects together. I wouldn't quite call Romanov yeah. a prospect or Espino necessarily a prospect because of the... Their, their records but um yeah very very interesting it could be some interesting matchups for the winner as well couldn't there like you know we you've been saying for ages to be fair I, i've not said it but you've said for ages that the heavyweight heavyweight division super underrated and is one of the best divisions around for like excitement and fun matchups that could be made um and i mean you look ahead if rom well they're both they're 19 and 20 on ranking mma so if either one of them were to win, you look slightly above them. You know, you got Olovsky's fighting this weekend, obviously. You got um, Ben Rothwell, um, Tom Aspinall, Alexia Linick, Walt Harris, who's, who's due to fight Tybora, um, Blagite uh, Ivanov. It would obviously be a crazy fight as well, just because the guy's the toughest bastard in the world. Um, <laughs> like, there's there's so many just in that like nine to twenty region in the in the heavyweight ranks that would be a perfect next fight for either of these guys if they win. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I'm glad you've come over to the dark side. <laughs> <laughs> For a long time, I was like, nah, you're chatting shit. I mean, there's like five great heavyweights and then a couple decent prospects. But I don't know. I, I think I'm coming around. There's some fun matchups there. Um, Tracy Cortez is back. And I put on the notes, I feel like they're trying to push Tracy Cortez a little bit now. And if if she could get a finish, um, I think her last couple of wins are by decision. If she could get a finish for uh, for the UFC to have a little highlight to tweet out, then um, I feel like that she's she's a prospect they could push 
quite easily, to be honest, um, for obvious reasons, as well as her ability in the Octagon, of course. Um, main card, Luis Pena, Alex Munoz. Um, quite, a, quite a tough fight for Munoz. I know Pena's coming off a few losses, but um, I think Munoz is only like 6-1, and one, and I feel like it's a bloody tough fight. Yeah, and he, it was a war, wasn't it? Who did he... I'm going to have to look it up. Who did he last fight? But I remember it was like... Well, Pena just got submitted by Karma Worthy, which is fucking weird, I must say. (laughs) Oh, Hackbrass. Yeah, he had a a war with Hackbrass. Yeah, Pena getting submitted by Karma Worthy is like the last result I would have expected from that fight. But um, yeah, I feel like he's going to bounce back here. I feel like Pena could even get a finish maybe, as as terrible as he is at finishing fights. Yeah, I mean, purely because of the experience differential, right? Like, Pena's kind of been through he's had a pretty tough run like yeah he's got some he's got some tough fights on his resume even though his record not the best um yeah he's he's definitely had the experience advantage yeah like trezano um wyman frivola come worthy as you say although maybe not now considering what we've just seen but like yeah i agree It's, it's, it's been a tough run um and also the height i feel like the height hasn't been spoken about but I think like Pena, well, Pena must be the tallest in the division, right? If you include his hair, definitely. Hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. Yeah, yeah. Pena is six three. Uh, Munoz is five nine. Just Jesus Christ, that's crazy. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe Munoz are making me make me eat my words, but I feel like this is a, a get Pena back on track because he's quite a marketable well, guy as well. The violent Bob Ross thing. I don't know if you've heard him speak about. Like his personal life as well. He's got quite a quite an emotional backstory, um, as weird as that sounds for me to say. And um, definitely, a, a, you know, a, a good dude that the UFC would love to push, I feel like, if they got the chance. Yeah, I think he's now training at ATT. So maybe that's what you're doing good. I also think it's worth pointing out as well. Like, it, it all depends on what, which Pena steps inside that octagon. Like, yeah. I don't know what it is, but he seemed like recently as well, it, Especially in the Kamal Worthy fight, it's almost like I don't know. It's, it's a bit of a Kevin, like a Garbrandt game plan, Kevin Lee kind of thing, where he kind of just rushes into stupid situations and then only thinks yeah, well, about it. It was a guillotine, wasn't it? That that Kamal yeah. Worthy got on him. So I mean, that says it all. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. If you're getting guillotined by Kamal Worthy, you're doing something wrong. Um, <laughs> you got uh, Abdul Razak Al Hassan is back. Obviously, he's got the the two losses after the lengthy layoff. So desperately in need of a win here um, against uh, Robert Whitaker's teammate Jacob Malkoon, who uh, who lost his debut quite brutally as well. Yeah, they've um, both been starched, haven't they, in the past? Yeah. So, I mean, like, you like you like to say don't blink, but I'm stealing your uh, your catchphrase <laughs> here. Um, <laughs> this one is not going to last the uh, three minutes. And if it does, it's only because they both gas after five minutes and can't physically throw a punch. Yeah, I agree. It's... It's gonna be fire. It's gonna be bombs left, right, and center. I mean, Alhassan's never in a boring fight anyway. Yeah. Um, and from what we've briefly seen of Marcoon, he isn't either. So, yeah, I, I don't think it'll last very long. And then uh, Andre Olovsky's back, replacing Parker Porter against Chase Sherman. Um, we said this before we started recording. This is such such a better fight than if it had been Parker Porter against Chase Sherman. Like, who the fuck wanted to see that? Olovsky, um, <laughs> obviously, the quick turnaround after getting submitted by Aspinall. Didn't take that much damage in the fight. Obviously, losing by submission rather than getting starched. Um, an interesting matchup. Like you said, it's kind of a throwback, like you said, before we started. Yeah, I feel like this is the fight that would have happened ages ago if Sherman hadn't... Um... Top few Sada, like mm-hmm. 
Uh, yeah. <coughs> um, I can't remember where Sherman trains though. That's in trouble. I don't think he trains. AD- I, was, I was thinking he trains at ADT, but I, I don't think he does. Well, he looked really good. Um, he, he had the three wins in a much lesser organization. I can't even remember what it's called. But um, then he came back and I, it, did you call it his second debut? Can we call it that? Um, looked really, really good. Well, it's uh, also it a Ike, former Ike Villanueva he destroyed, who just got a really impressive win himself. So, yeah. And he's also a former bare knuckle champ. So, clearly carries hands. Yeah. And let's be honest, Oloski's never in a but never in a dull fight. So I kind of feel like this is kind of like a sleeper fight of the night for as long as it lasts. Um, I'm not sure I'd push it that far. <laughs> <laughs> the Philip Lynn's fight was pretty boring. Um <laughs> the uh the obvious candidate for fight of the night is Jeremy Stevens against Dracar Close. Obviously, Dracar Close in uh, in his last fight had like perhaps one of the most iconic moments in UFC history with with Darius, that crazy back and forth. That uh that sent the crowd wild. Um, I'm good. I'm excited to see him back. Of of course, obviously, was quite a highly um thought of prospect, wasn't he? Before before Darius starched him, and um, well, you just said never in a boring fight. Jeremy Stevens is never in a boring fight, and Draculos always brings it. So again, to to use the catchphrase, don't blink. I also feel like <laughs> I also feel like Jeremy Stevens kind of can't afford to lose this fight. Like, what would that be like? Okay. Yeah, he just got absolutely destroyed by that short elbow from uh, yeah. from Qatar in his last fight, didn't he? Uh, I think he'd lost Kata, his previous one. Uh, uh, and he'd lost his previous one? I feel like he's on a bit of a skid. I could be wrong. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty actually. sure he's on a bit of a skid. But yeah, I feel like it's kind of a make or break fight for, for Stevens. If he loses to Dracula close, then, well, he'll be out of the rank. He's well out of the ranking. What is he? I think he's ranked nine. Oh, he's on a he's on a hell of a skid. Not gonna lie to you. <laughs> yeah. Um. He had a good little spree where he beat Gilbert Melendez, Duho Choi, and Josh Emmett. Josh Emmett. Then he got knocked out by Aldo. Lost a decision to Zabit. Uh, had the accidental eye poke with Yaya Rodriguez. Then lost the rematch to Yaya Rodriguez, and then got knocked out by Calvin Cater. So, um, yeah, you could say he definitely needs this one. And I'm pretty sure he's still ranked in the top ten for some, or at least top fifteen. Yeah, he is in I'm the top sure 15, yeah. He's, he's, he's in the rankings, yeah. Um, well, he's the hardest hitting 145-pounder right here, so there you go. Yeah, will uh, will Dracar Close's chin find that out after what happened to him against Darius? We shall see. Um, do you have an official prediction for that one? <laughs> Double knockout in the first round. <laughs> Double knockout for Rocky Freeze Frame. Um, you heard it here first. <laughs> I'll uh, I'll go with Stevens. I'll go with experience winning the day. Um yeah, I'll say I'll say Stevens, and then um, a, a kind of a weird main event with Whitaker Gastelum because it kind of feels like Gastelum doesn't really deserve to be there. Is is that fair to say? As much as um, you know, he's got a good resume. His his recent form hasn't been great, and you know, beating um, what's his name, Ian Heinish. I'm not sure like that would usually throw you into a, a main event against you know the number one contender other than it being obviously a short notice replacement. Yeah, as you say, it's benefited from being short notice and the fact that like, I think Jack Manson's book, I can't remember who's Jack Manson's book against, but he's booked against someone off the top of my head. Um, so I would imagine Jack Manson would have tried to step in on short notice, but wouldn't. And Kylenir is obviously injured and has already fought Whitaker. Till's injured as well. He's kind of benefited from that, like this weird, I feel like the middleweight division itself is in this weird, like limbo. Yeah, limbo, dead end kind of, stage at the moment like Izzy went up in weight come back down in weight but we don't really know where when his next fight's going to be or who it's going to yeah. be against um, 
the Whitaker Gaslam fight, let's be honest, like I, I to be honest, I'm really excited about it just because of like we were so close to having it before, and then it obviously it slipped through our fingers because of um I think Whitaker got like a hernia and then he had also some sort of like stomach problem as well, which forced surgery. Um so if this has been a long time coming and Gaslam has let's face it been very inconsistent in his recent run. Um, but when he's on it, he's mint, he's mustard, like fight of the night, fight of the year, sorry, with Izzy. Yeah, he's got um, a concrete chin and insane hands. So, well, and, and Whitaker, as well. And, and I know Izzy stopped Whitaker, but I mean, I mean, he spent nearly an hour in the octagon with the old Romero training. Yeah, and bombs. also like, three rounds with Till and beat him quite comprehensively. So, <laughs> it's a, yeah, I, I feel like Whitaker has more to lose. Yeah, it kind of feels like, and again, this is weird to say because I do like Gaslam and he is a beast when he's at 100%, but it kind of feels like he's like cheating the system, like skipping the queue here. If he wins this, is he suddenly somehow like one of the number one contenders? Which, I mean, you have to be if you beat Robert Wicker, you are. Like, it's sort of a weird, weird situation, like you say, but um, I think we're going to get it done, to be honest. I think Gaslam, like like you say, it's just so inconsistent. You never know what you're going to get from him. And Whitaker, you do. You do know what you're going to get from Whitaker, and that's like perfect, well rounded. He's going to bring it, and he's, you know, not going to back down and, and keep applying pressure. And I feel like Gaslam might gas a little bit as well, um, coming in at short notice. Yeah, although my only caveat would that be his teammate of Marvin Vittori, isn't he? So he's probably been helping him with, with Marvin's training camp. Um, I think they were training together. I could be, I'm, I'm, I'm sure they were training together for, for the Holland fight. So I feel like it won't, I, I feel like he's as, He's not as short as a short notice opponent as he's probably making it out he's to be. He's prepared as a short notice replacement yeah. could be. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, but I, look, it's a great matchup on paper. It's been it, it, we were meant to get it what like two years ago, um, and the bout fell through. So it's quite nice how the MMA gods work in our favor sometimes. Uh, but don't jinx it. Fuck me. The weigh-ins <laughs> haven't even happened yet. <laughs> yeah, it could all come that is tempting down. fate, my maybe, friend. Maybe we'll get Kevin Holland for the quickest turnaround ever in UFC <laughs> oh, history. God, I don't know. No. But um, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think I, I, my my main gripe is that like, what does Robert Whitaker have to do to get another title shot? Like, I I, I was watching an interview that he did with Brett Okamoto, and he was like, "Well, the UFC haven't kind of guaranteed that I'll get the next shot," and mm. Like, I haven't heard anything from like UFC Brass or anything. I was like, that, that baffles me because of what he did to Till and like what. He did I think to it was just here. the comments. Was it last year or whenever? Oh he, yeah, he was like, I'm taking. Whenever time he out. kind of yeah. said like, I'm not really that focused on fighting for the belt right now. Like, it seems yeah. like those have stuck like stuck to him a little bit. Where the UFC is kind of like, well, you know, if you don't want it, then we'll give it to somebody else. else. Yeah. Um, but I think he did say in an interview this week that of course he wants it. Like just because he's not out there shouting and screaming about it, of course, like doesn't mean he doesn't want it. And also, he's so, he's so soft spoken, and he's just such a nice guy. Like, <laughs> it just seems he seems like a, a homage to like the old days where like obviously there'd be smack talk, but. I don't know. It just seems very like calculated, uh, and that's something that I'm noticing as well. Like, I feel like he's quite hungry to get his belt back, and I, I, I'm not saying that he would beat Izzy, but I feel like it, their next match up or their rematch will be far more competitive. He was talking about how he's got a couple of tricks up his sleeve that he's picked up from like what uh, Jan obviously did to Izzy, and whilst there's a there's a massive weight differential, like there are certain elements of his game plan that he could work on in terms of the takedowns and. 
I'm not saying that takedowns will win you a fight against Izzy because we all know how hard it is to take him down. But if he mixes his strategy up, then it could be far more competitive. But he's got he's got a very tough test against a very, very game opponent who will, will be looking to make the most of this situation. Let's be honest. Yeah. And um, this is the part where we would usually, well, I say usually, if we had music that fades out and then we say bye, it would go here. So amateur. But we're, t- we're too amateur and lazy to get that sorted. So maybe like six months from now, that's the music we'll be playing right now. So just, just picture that. And when uh, we get we'll to episode next 50. Week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe before then. Um, anyway, see ya. Peace.